everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half of the show. My name is Jeff. Joining me, as always, for show number, what is this, 196, and a happy new year to Mark A. Johnston. Mark, what's up? Hey, Jeffrey, man, it's so good to be here. It's uh, 2022 was a weird year, although we did some pretty good shows, but I'm excited about a new year. I had a, a really nice holiday and um, things are things are heading towards uh, more and more baseball, especially for you. Well, first of all, you said it's a weird year last year, and you're right, because the Mariners made the playoffs last year. <laughs> exactly. So that does not happen very often. By the way, you know, I mentioned it, this first show of the new year. It is the first week of the year, and the Oakland A's have not officially been eliminated from the playoffs yet. So, Oh, wow. I mean, they I'm, lost out on the running from, uh, for Judge, though. Yeah, I know, and Correa, and, and uh, Gosh, I thought they were Verlander. And <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's uh, it's more of the same for me, but I got bigger Oakland A's things coming up in the next week or so. Yes, you do. <laughs> but let's get into the show. First of all, Mark, this is just, I don't even have this on my, my run sheet for today. I remember our first show of the year last year, we made resolutions. And I remember mine was to watch more National League baseball during the season. That's right. And I 100% accomplished that. So I accomplished one thing last year. I watched more National League baseball. No, well, that's good. I usually make my, because uh, I never, ever make my resolutions. So last year, my resolutions were to get heavier and, and older. Oh. And I, so I accomplished two. Congrats. Look at you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so motivated. Look at you go. <laughs> Let's have a motivational podcast here today. All right. Well, let's get into it. We took last week off for the holiday. And so I don't know, whenever we whenever we go, whenever we miss a show, I come back so ready to go. I got a bunch of stuff ready to go here. And let's just get into VP and, and just get ready for this. Let's do it. First of all, the Orioles have a new front office member. His name is Cal Perry. He is, uh, what is his official title? His official title is Senior Vice President and Chief Content Officer for the Baltimore Orioles. So he's doing, I think he's he's a creative guy is what that probably is. This guy, though, is a lifelong Orioles fan. He is all of us. <laughs> so he's been appointed to this position, which is a high up in the front office. And his old tweets have uh, have reappeared I don't know if he's deleted them or not, but these are tweets from in 2009 where he tweets directly at Peter Angelos, who is the Orioles owner. Here are a couple of them. Don't let your old age get the better of you or become slanderous. I love America. I love the Orioles. It is you I hate, Peter Angelos. This is new his new boss, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one. Peter Angelos, be honest. The only thing you've ever loved is yourself. I love the Orioles. I loathe you. <laughs> loathe? Strong word. How, I mean, Strong he's going to have to have meetings with this guy, right? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, boy. I mean, there's here. Uh, Peter Angelos, I loathe you. Retire. Sell. You suck. The Orioles are one in ten. <laughs> <laughs> There is just a stream of these, which has got to make for some awkward meetings. Uh, I would expect so. I'm not sure. I, th I think if I was going in for an interview with a baseball team, I would scrub my social media of anything related to that team. But he's the one in the front office, and here we are doing a podcast. So, Good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, some other things happen. When, when the new year 
hits, the January 1st every year, a bunch of new laws take effect in a bunch of, well, not in a bunch, in all of the states. One of these was in Ohio, where uh, sports betting became legal on the 1st. Right. So as soon as that clock struck midnight, so the ball is dropping, and you can now legally bet in Ohio. Who do you think placed the first legal bet in Ohio? I'm going to guess Pete Rose. You're absolutely correct. (laughs) That's awesome. That's too good. That is a troll and a half. He was at the Hard Rock Sportsbook. As soon as that clock struck 12, Pete Rose slapped down some money and made a bet. (laughs) Well, I guess it's more likely to find him there than at the Hall of Fame. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I got some other things I've dug up here. Uh, here's some Cardinals stuff that I had not heard about. So, and this might be my favorite Cardinals fun fact that I've I've seen so far. So, when old Bush Stadium, of course, now we're on like Bush Stadium three or something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> something like that. But when when the original Bush Stadium was built, Gussie Bush was the owner of the of the team at that point. Obviously, the the owner of Budweiser, and they wanted to na- well. Gussie wanted to name it Budweiser Stadium. But, you know, we got Core Stadium today. So right. Budweiser, you know, this was quite a while ago, but still. Uh, but the commissioner, who I don't know who it was. I should, probably should have done that. That's not professional podcasting. Uh, at that point said, hey, it would be unseemly to name a stadium after a beer. You cannot do it. <laughs> so he said, okay, well, I'm going to name it Bush Stadium. And all right, well, that's your last name. That's that's fine. They then went on to uh, found the Bush Brewing Company, which brews Bush beer. (laughs) So a couple of things we learned here, how Bush Stadium got its name. You might just think it's named after Gussie Bush and also how Bush beer became about. That's amazing. Get around some stupid ruling by uh, by the commissioner of baseball, which. That doesn't really narrow down when I say stupid ruling from the commissioner of baseball. <laughs> yeah, no, no offense towards any commissioners at all. And it, seriously, is Budweiser Stadium is that any worse than well, like you said, Coors, Coors. Field, yeah, <laughs> or Rings the the Ring Central Coliseum? How about that? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Uh, another thing that has to do with the commissioner. This one is Bud Selig. I know for a fact. My wife and I recently we did a uh, we did a Spider-Man rewatch. Nice, that's fun. We started from the original, like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and we're not done yet. We've seen them all, but we're working through them again. Well, during Bud Selig's reign as commissioner, uh, there was a concept coming out of the, the commissioner's office that there was no bad revenue. Like, if you want to slap a logo somewhere, we'll do it <laughs> if you give us enough money, which I think still pertains to today. Pretty much. That's, I, and you know, frankly, that's where I make my money. So I'm not, I'm not going to complain too much. But uh, there was, a, there was a, a sponsorship opportunity where Bud Selig actually said no. Really? Uh, and this has to do with my, my Spider-Man lead-in because Spider-Man 2 was going to be coming out in the summer. And uh, they wanted to put an advertisement on first, second, and third base over the weekend in June that it came out, advertising the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> That's unique. I, now, I'm, I would love to see the concept of these. Like, what sure. is, is it a Spider-Man logo on top of the base? I mean, it wouldn't, the base has to be white, right? They can't, 
color it right. blue and right. red. Right. <laughs> so it just been a web and a symbol on top. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I I, I couldn't find anything, uh, any visuals about it, but it was scrapped. Uh, MLB and Sony both said, you know, maybe we can come up with some better ideas of how we want to do this, and and that was actually scrapped. But it, it was an interesting concept. And uh, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I got mixed feelings about that because I'm, you know, I'm all for advertising and so on, more money in baseball. Um, but in the same manner, yeah, that, it can get to be a little heavy when, when we're calling everything, a, a, you know, based on a beer. That's a Budweiser home run. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is getting. And when you have to refer to them. Like during highlights as well, right. <laughs> here is the, uh, the, you know, the ring dot central uh, home run of the game or, you know, some, something like that. So <laughs> right. interesting stuff. I'm glad that one didn't happen. Uh, all right. Let's, so let's get into our first trivia of the year. Uh, first of okay. all, I asked a question two weeks ago. We got our answers from the usual crew. I'll, I'll say that. My question, though, was who is the only pitcher that won a batting title and a pitching triple crown? Now, I did give the clue that these were in different seasons, but still one person won both a batting crown as well as a pitching triple crown. Now, Mark, I know you have spent these last two weeks pouring through the Internet, doing your research. You've even forced you for you forsook forsaken you forsaken the Internet. I don't know what the correct tense of that word would be and was actually just using the baseball encyclopedia you know a hard copy big thick hard copy of the encyclopedia yeah and i i know you've got worksheets with handwritten notes and you've got a (laughs) bulletin board with the string and yarn tied to push pins that are crisscrossing it have you come up with anything you know, I, I was told recently that people find it amusing that I never even try to answer your trivia questions. Yes, um, <laughs> I could look them up, but I don't think that's right. That takes and, time. And also, I forget. So, you know, it's one of those things. But I do have a guess. Okay. Okay. We're going to, are we talking about 19th century by yeah. chance? Uh, okay. Now, remember, I went to Washington State, and this is, I'm going to be honest now. <laughs> You say 19th century to me. That means the 1800s, right? Yes. Uh, you are correct. Okay. Then, I'm, because I read one short article about it, I'm going to go with Guy Hacker. You are 100% correct. Yes. Yes, I got one. No lie. I did not look that up. <laughs> now, yes. this is, uh, I, I saw this because we've talked about Guy Hacker several times, including yeah. our last show. Yeah. <laughs> Guy Hacker, because uh, we talked about him during the Toad Ramsey show because he was the rival. He was a teammate, but a rival of Toad Ramsey. Right. Also teammates with Chicken Wolf and Pete Browning, who we talk about all the time. Uh, I also, I think Pete Browning is becoming the new Gabby Street in Uh-oh. terms that we mention him all the time. True, true. But yes, you are correct. It's Guy, I'm assuming it's Guy and not Guy. Uh, he was he is, Canadian? No, he's born in, in Youngsville, Pennsylvania. So I think oh, it's probably guy. a guy. Yeah. So, yeah, if we look at his pitching numbers in 1884, he had a pretty good year. Didn't win the Cy Young, though, in 1884. <laughs> no? No, but he did lead wow. the league in wins with 52. He went, <laughs> he went 52 and 20 with a 1.8 ERA. So there's two uh, there's two parts of your tr- pitching triple crown. 72 complete games. Only six shutouts though. I feel like 
Oh, come I feel on. I like that's a little bit of a letdown. He also led the league in strikeouts with 385. So there's your triple crown, a 171 ERA plus a whip of 0.868. That wasn't even his career high or career low for a whip. Wow. As a rookie, his his uh, season whip was 0.769. So that is pretty good. Then, though, if we look at his batting in 1886, uh, he did go to the plate 378 times. So he qualified, definitely. He hit 341. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, with a 402 on base. <laughs> <laughs> So, and he stole 25 bases. Of course, uh, you know, we, we've talked about how you steal bases back in that that time period. Sure, sure but now I, I'm sure if the gold glove existed, he would have won that too. Uh, probably not. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I, these guys will remember, they were playing with like essentially a golf glove on their hands. <laughs> uh, he knocked in 48 though, four home runs, five triples, 14 doubles. And uh, yeah, he uh, won the uh, the batting title and a pitching triple crown. So, guy, don't call me Gee Hecker. There you go. Uh, let's see. Like I said, the, a couple of the usuals: Brian Krause and Andrew Harner got that one right. I've got a new question, and this is—I I don't even know because this involves basketball. Oh. Which anybody that knows me knows that I would rather watch any sport on the <laughs> planet. Before yes. I am, before I watch basketball on purpose, it's just not my not my bag. But uh, obviously, we've talked about Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn, a great Hall of Famer, incredible hitter, just a, a great athlete. And we've also mentioned the fact that he was a two sport athlete in college at the uh, University of San Diego, both baseball and basketball. Beyond being taken in the MLB draft, which we know he was drafted uh, and went and played for the Padres his entire career, he was also drafted by an NBA team. Who was it? Now, I will say this. There was a time in my life when I was a basketball fan. We are talking maybe from ages 7 to 11 or 12, where basketball was life for me before I, I discovered baseball and hockey. Uh, this was my favorite team ever at that Ooh. point. Uh, that's not going to help anybody, but it's just. <laughs> that's a good hint. <laughs> yes. I think that might help one. My best friend uh, from uh, from elementary school in California here, uh, Eddie Davis, that might help him, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that and look it up. If Well, think about it before you look it up. But uh, which NBA team drafted Tony Gwynn out of college? All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up our BP segment. Before we do, Mark, I just want to throw this out there one more time. We have a phone number now. Yes. So we're not sure when our 200th show will be, which we're, we're collecting these phone calls for. Uh, but if you want to... Heck, even if you've already called, you can keep calling us. I mean, we just we're just looking for some content here, some some low effort content, I guess, for number two hundred. But uh, leave us a message. Our phone number is six zero seven two one six eight eight one one. We've already got one correct answer as to what the significance of that area code is. I will reveal that on our on our two hundredth show. I won't make you wait till the two thousandth. Just the two hundredth. <laughs> uh, we'll reveal that, but uh, that you can find that number in the show notes uh, as well if you want to call and leave us a message. All right, Mark, are you ready to get into some uh, some baseball history talk? Yeah, I heard rumors that this might be a, a really interesting one. Yeah, as so to most of ours. 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, we do quite a bit, especially myself. I love to talk about 80s and 90s. Uh, and I think a lot of our listeners, that's kind of our sweet spot. But yeah. this, I this is, I think, clearly our most contemporary player that we've ever talked about. Godzilla himself, Hideki Matsui. Very nice. Yes. So uh, let's let's cover some early stuff here. First of all, Hideki was born in the Ishikawa Prefecture of Japan, which is on the country's west coast. Besides being home to Matsui, uh, it is also the birthplace of Naya Timori, which I don't know if I'm saying that right, but uh, you might not know what it is by that name. But uh, in English, it's known as body sushi. Or the act of eating sushi off the naked body of a woman, as is depicted in just about every uh, Western Yakuza movie I think I've ever seen. But it's so true. <laughs> that is, I mean, there's two things to be proud of right there if you're from the Ishikawa prefecture of Japan. There you go. Matsui's father, uh, when he was young, he bought a satellite dish for the family home so Hideki could watch Major League Baseball games when he was young. What a dad. Yeah, that's... I, that couldn't have been cheap either at that point. It's not no. like MLB.tv now where it's like 150 bucks and you get everything. But uh, as a child, Matsui was a right-handed batter. Uh, when he started playing with his older brother and his friends, though, as he got bigger, Matsui was such a good hitter that he just he was crushing the ball and was obviously much better than his brother and his friends. So they insisted. They said, listen, if you're going to keep playing with us, you got to bat left handed or you're out. That's amazing. So to the left-handed side, he went. And if you remember, Matsui batted left in both the NPB and MLB. So I think it worked out pretty good for him. As a youth, a youth, Matsui was a multi-sport phenomenon. He earned a first-degree black belt in judo, and he also won a citywide sumo tournament. Jeez. (laughs) That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Big, strong, scary guy. Yeah. Heading into high school, Matsui was recu- recruited by Serial High School, which is a Western baseball powerhouse. High schools there, they do recruit players because baseball is such a, a big thing there. During his high school years, he played in four national high school baseball tournaments, which is the big tournament that's played in Koshien Stadium. Uh, he played once in the spring tournament and three times in the summer tournament. In the 1992 tournament, though, he was intentionally walked all five at-bats in a game. Well, that's not right. No. Well, this became a huge news because, first of all, this tournament is must-see TV for the entire country. I wish I could watch one because it is. I've I've watched games on YouTube and they're fascinating to me. But I would love to or go to one even. That would be incredible. But this was a national topic of conversation. It was considered excessive and unsportsmanlike. But you know, it worked. Matsui's team lost that game so mm-hmm. his reaction to the intentional walks was widely commented by the media because quote matsui's stoic emotionless conduct during these at-bats drew great praise from tournament officials and reporters alike so they like a man yeah and this all comes because when he was uh, in in middle school he was walked a lot of times and one time he got mad and he threw the bat at the pitcher 
and his pitch and his coach had a sit down talk with him and really drove home some some good messages. And that kind of drove Matsui's conduct throughout his career. At the end of the tournament, a representative of the high school federation declared that, quote, all students should learn from Matsui's attitude. Wow. So he's a, he's a good stoic guy, too. Very stoic. Not just a great ball player. Yep. So Matsui was drafted out of high school by the Yamayuri Giants in the first round. He was given the uniform number 55, which was the single season home run mark held by Sadaharo O. Giving you kind of a sense of what they expected from him. No pressure. (laughs) None whatsoever. Matsui played the first 10 seasons of his career in Japan for the Yamiuri Giants, as I said. During that span, he was a nine-time All-Star, three-time Japan Series champion, and three-time Central League Most Valuable Player. Obviously, he was freaking incredible. Not bad. Yeah, I mean, looking at these home run totals, uh, let's see, 332 home runs in 10 seasons, a 304 average, a 413 on base, I mean, these are great numbers. He even stole 46 bases as a giant. So very good. He played right field. Uh, He was regarded as Japan's best slugger. He was voted, as I said, MVP three times. He was an all-star nine out of the 10 seasons he played. In his last year in Japan, in 2002, he hit 334 with 50 home runs and 107 RBI. I'll take some of that. He rarely sat out games. He was an Ironman. His streak of 1,250 consecutive games played is the second longest in Japan behind Sachio Kinigusa. I think I said that close enough. Who has uh, the Japanese mark at 2,215 consecutive games. It's about half of it. Yeah. Wow. Matsui earned the nickname Godzilla originally as a youth because he had some pretty bad skin and acne problems early on in his career so it was kind of a dig but later it came to represent how powerful of a hitter he was and he he embraced the uh, the nickname as well he was a contemporary of Ichiro in the NPB I mean they were the two top stars in the league Ichiro once said this quote I could hit 400 and still Matsui would get more attention I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, Ichiro also played for for the for Oryx, who is not quite. <laughs> it's like the it, it's kind of like the kind of the the Rays versus the Yankees kind of thing. Sure, yeah. yeah. And people dig the long ball, Ichi. Yeah. Oh, well, I've got some stuff about that here in a little bit here. So, how big was Matsui when he played in Japan in terms of popularity? Well, at one point. Matsui went in, he needed a root canal. The next day on the front of the uh, couple of these major sports pages were photos of his open mouth. <laughs> Meaning that they had to let a photographer in during the root canal. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> big, I mean, big news. After playing uh, in an all-star game against major league stars in Japan, Barry Bonds was asked, who was there, obviously, uh, you know, what do you think about Matsui? This was Barry Bonds' response, as if, you, you know, there's just not enough to love about Barry Bonds. He oh, says yes. this, well, if he played in the majors, he'd hit 10 to 15. <laughs> now, I say that, and that's a real kind of jackass response. <laughs> it is. Uh, in his first year, he hit 16 in the bigs. Did that oh, well. So, I mean, he was right on, but he definitely got better. So... We move, uh, we move forward to 2003. 
Hideki signs a three-year, $21 million contract with the Yankees. Press conference is called to announce the signing. 400 reporters showed up at this press conference. It was thought to be the largest press conference in sports history. Now, I mean, I've been to A's games with fewer people than that in the stands, so it's pretty impressive. To sign with the Yankees, Matsui turned down a four-year, $30 million offer from the Yamayuri Giants, which would have been the largest contract ever in the NPB at that point. Also, trying to, to sign Hideki were the Orioles, the Red Sox, and the Mets. But he turned them down because he was determined to play for the Yankees. He had a year earlier come to Yankee Stadium during the playoffs when the Yankees were playing the Angels and was just mesmerized by the crowd, how into it they were, the level of baseball that was being played, and just the excitement. He decided that he wanted to be a part of that. I found this from an Asian newspaper, and uh, the, the author of this article, this was a great article, but I don't know if maybe Ichiro stole this, uh, you know, stole a girl from this author at some point or what, but he clearly does not like Ichiro. He wrote this when Hideki announced that he was going to the U.S. Quote, slap hitter Ichiro Suzuki and a dozen or so other Japanese pitchers are shining in North America, but Matsui is the only full-fledged power hitter ever to make the Trans-Pacific Leap. As the first Japanese to go bicep to bicep with the andro-enhanced muscle men that have come to dominate North American baseball, he may single-handedly erase the image of Japanese as practitioners of second-rate ping-pong-style baseball, end quote. Wow. (laughs) So he calls Ichiro a slap hitter, second-rate, and says he plays ping-pong-style. Wow. Wow. A little brutal. First of all, it's called table tennis, sir. <laughs> those are some uh, those are some <laughs> pretty rough words. So uh, Matsui had a dramatic debut at Yankee Stadium in 2003. His first game there, he hit a grand slam. You can't really do much better than that unless it's like a walk-off grand slam. But after that, he really struggled to adjust to American pitching. In May, he had hit into more ground ball outs than any other player in the league. And uh, joining the criticism of this author from Japan was none other than Yankee owner George Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner opened his mouth? You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I know. And get this. He said, quote, Matsui's lack of power is disappointing. This is not the man we signed a contract for, end quote. (laughs) I mean, at least he didn't call him a fat toad. So (laughs) he didn't hate him as much as he did Hideki Arabu. Right. I just don't think he likes people named Hideki, I think is the Yeah, he's, he's 0 for 2 on Hideki's. So at the end of his first season, though, his numbers ended up being pretty good. Like I said, he hit 16 home runs. He hit 287, 353 on base. He drove in 106 runs. I mean, you can't be mad at that. He uh, was also an all-star and ended up with a 109 OPS+. He came in second, narrowly losing the Rookie of the Year award to Angel Barroa. Good old, remember old Angel Barroa? Mm-hmm. I barely do. Mm-hmm. He lost because two riders refused to include him on their ballots due to his age. Now, coming to Hideki's defense was none other than Yankee owner George Steinbrenner, <laughs> who had just finished calling him out at the beginning of the year. He pointed out that this had not prevented either of the two riders that wouldn't vote for him because of his age. They both voted for Ichiro Suzuki and Kazuhiro Sasaki both of whom had previously played in the NPB for several seasons and were the two oldest players to have received the award. 
Hmm. Yeah. So I don't say this often, but I agree with George Steinbrenner here. <laughs> wow. That just came out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the man who I literally had on, on the dartboard at one point in my youth. So the Yankees, you know, went to the World Series that season. They lost to the Marlins. But Matsui became the first Japanese player to hit a home run in the World Series. He had a great seven seasons in the Bronx, especially in the playoffs, which at this time the Yankees were in the postseason every single year. We move forward to 2009, where Hideki had his worst year in pinstripes, but again, he was a beast in the postseason. He was the hero of Game 6 of the 2009 World Series, the game in which the Yankees clinched the, you know, the title, and he was named World Series MVP. He singled, doubled, and hit a home run in that game. His home run came in the second inning off of Pedro Martinez. Pedro is the Phillies flavor of Pedro Martinez. And he uh, that one ended up in the second deck. He also added a two-run single in the third and a two-run double in the fifth. He ended up with six RBI in the game, tying a World Series record that had been set by Barry Richardson in 1960. He was the first Japanese player to be a World Series MVP and tied the record for achieving this honor with the fewest number of at-bats. Because, you know, half the games were played in a National League park, he only started three games. In the other three games, he only appeared once as a pinch hitter, and he ended with only 13 total at-bats, but was still named the MVP. He was also the first full-time designated hitter to win that award in the World Series. So I want to talk about your favorite Yankee of all time, Derek Jeter. Do do I have a favorite Yankee? Yes, and it's Derek Jeter, clearly. Okay. So uh, Jeter and Matsui were good friends. They still are. <laughs> I don't know. It's not like they've had a uh, Tinker's, Evers, and Chance thing and don't talk to each other. No, they were good friends. And they often teased each other and played jokes on each other. Great story here about Hideki and Derek Jeter. So Matsui at this point was engaged to be married, but he didn't tell anybody. Didn't, uh, you know, especially the press, but he didn't even tell his teammates. So Derek Jeter and Bobby Abreu had a bet going in the clubhouse as to which of the two would get married first. And so Matsui comes in and hears about this and he's like, hey, I want in on this. And Matsui, until he was married, was was legitimately considered the most eligible bachelor in Japan. Right. I don't see it, but, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a... a female Japanese resident. So they're like, all right, you can uh, you can come in. So again, not knowing that he was already engaged uh, to be married. So he ends up winning the bet. This woman that he married is a very shy. She did not, you know, she's marrying this incredibly huge celebrity, the most eligible bachelor in an entire country. And she just does not want anybody to know about it, essentially. So uh, (laughs) Hideki at one point said, quote, she is a 25 year old civilian and had formerly been working in a reputable position at a highly respected company. I cannot go into further details at this current time, end quote. You really nailed it down. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was great because... uh, She didn't want to be in the public eye, but when he announced that he was getting married, it was really big news, obviously. So at the news conference, she's not there. He drew a picture of her and held it up. (laughs) He's not a good artist. He's a much better baseball player. You can find this picture very easily on the Internet if you want to see it. And it's 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 something. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's kind of, I, I kind of see it as a version of, uh, you know, you don't know her. She goes to another school type of thing. <laughs> uh, this friendship even extended after Hideki left the Bronx. So uh, after that 2009 season, the Yankees didn't even contact him about re-signing him. So he signs a contract with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who just happened to be opening up uh, at Yankee Stadium next year. And that opening day is typically when you hand out rings if you've won the World Series. So it's ring day at Yankee Stadium, and Hideki is there, but he's in the other dugout wearing an Angels uniform. So they go through, they give the rings to all the Yankees, and finally they call out Hideki Matt. So he gets a huge ovation from the crowd. He's the World Series MVP. He takes the box, he comes back to the bench. A bunch of his teammates are like, show it, we wanna see it, we wanna see this ring, let's see it. So he opens it up and everyone kind of, what? Squinting and some head scratching goes on. And they're like, well, it's kind of tacky. It's not really that impressive. Uh, Okay, I mean, I guess it's the first one I've seen, you know, they're like, okay, whatever. After that, He's uh, in the game. So he gets to first base and Mark Teixeira, the first baseman for the Yankees, is kind of smiling at him (laughs) and uh, starts talking to Hideki and Hideki goes, that's real, right? (laughs) And uh, Mike Sosha, the Angels manager at the time, is watching from the dugout. He knows what's going on and he just starts cracking up in the dugout. They had given him the, uh, the the fake ring that they gave out to all the fans that entered the stadium, and they'd put it in the box, just a <laughs> replica. They gave him the real one after the game, but that was all Jeter's idea, and uh, I thought that was, that was Not bad. One. Not bad at all. Yeah, so Hideki finished up his major league career with seasons, uh, as I mentioned, in L.A., Oakland, didn't have a great season in Oakland, but I remember his fan favorite. And finally, a short stint in Tampa Bay in 2012. After retirement, he took up residence in New York City, where he still lives today, or at least still has a residence there. He can still be found sometimes playing softball in Central Park. <laughs> and I did see a story about this where it mentioned when he plays, he's forced to bat right-handed in those games, which is funny since that's originally his natural batting site. It's, it's come full circle. Yeah. Now, now he's got a bat righty because he's too good lefty. Yeah, I'd love to see him crush some softballs. I imagine he's a pretty decent hitter I'm in softball. Yes, and yeah. So some other things about Hideki that we here on Two Strike Noise like to focus on. In 2002, he made a cameo in the film Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. <laughs> I haven't seen that one still. I haven't either, but uh, it makes sense that you'd have a cameo from Godzilla in a Godzilla movie. There is also a highlight of him uh, in the Adam Sandler movie Click, where Kate Beckinsale is doing something in a tank top. I just want to mention that. Uh, And Adam Sandler tries to watch something else using this magic remote control. Now, I love baseball a lot, but I also love Kate Beckinsale a lot. So I'm not sure I'm reaching the remote in that situation. But in case somebody knows Kate, you know. Yeah, hook a brother up. My wife knows. So Uh, that's my free pass. So she knows. Uh, I mentioned at the start of this story how big a deal he was in Japan while he was playing. Well, a former prime minister was once the head of his fan club. They loved him. Like, I mean, everyone loved him. A mayor in his hometown called his home run hitting, quote, an act of God. (laughs) 
These Godzilla. are some serious allegations. Uh, now, there is a museum dedicated to him in his hometown. It's located next to uh, the Matsui family home and is run by Hideki's father, who refuses to charge admission to the Hideki Museum House of Baseball. Now, our favorite Ichiro-hating journalist noted this and went on to make sure that we knew that uh, the Ichiro exhibition room costs $8 to get into. <laughs> Love to know what he did to this guy. Man, no kidding. Wow. On January 15th, 2018, Matsui was elected to the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame with a 91.3% of the, of the vote. So I guess there are voters in the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame that are just as contrary as there are here in the States. so. He was elected at the age of 43. He became the youngest player to be inducted into the Hall, uh, breaking the record that was uh, previously held by Hideo Nomo. So we need to talk about one more thing, Uh, kind of an adult subject here when we talk about Hideki, and that is adult films. (laughs) To say that Hideki Matsui is a fan of adult-oriented entertainment would be an understatement. Our guy openly stockpiled and traded these films with Japanese writers for years, ultimately amassing a collection estimated to have reached around 55,000. <laughs> this is These are physical copies. Did nobody tell him that the internet exists, apparently? Apparently not. During his introductory press conference in New York that we talked about earlier, I mentioned there were 400 plus people attended from the media. He brought gifts for the media to introduce himself, but he did not expect that many people. And so he ran out and he said, quote, sorry, I'll get porn for the rest of you. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to give a shout out to the player to be named later YouTube channel. I'll link the video in the show notes. He figured out some facts of just how much adult entertainment 55,000 films actually is. And like I said, I don't I don't know if this is a Japanese thing or not, but Hideki prefers physical media, not Internet. So we're talking like DVDs, maybe even some old cassette, you know, VHS. VHS? How about some beta? (laughs) I think Betamax might have been a little. Well, I don't know. Maybe he likes the classic stuff. (laughs) You know, we buy old baseball cards. Why can you not buy old material of this sort so if you stacked all of those we're just assuming dvds if you stacked all of those on top of each other height wise it would equal over 2750 feet high (laughs) that would be the tallest man-made structure on the planet that's ridiculous (laughs) i also saw an article where he was referred to as a quote smut baron unquote and that made me me laugh for like an hour (laughs) a smut baron (laughs) it's gonna make me laugh for another hour (laughs) all right so there you have it there is hideki matsui by far our most contemporary subject ever here on two strike noise all right so that will do it for the story segment of the show mark it is time for our first wax packs heroes of the year 2023 i'm guessing that you're excited because you're in pressure's on well it's really on for me because uh currently i trail uh, 15 to 13 and i have never won a wax pack title you you were leading for a while yeah i know i know (laughs) <laughs> that I came back I down just, to earth. <laughs> that was supposed to be consoling you, I think. Sorry. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, play our first uh, first go round of the year. And uh, before we can do that, we got to play the we got to play the theme. Hit it. All right. If this is your first time ever, welcome. We we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this is the part of the show where we're going to open up some old baseball cards. Specifically, Mark, I got some cards here from the year 2000. Uh, so it's kind of false advertising. There's no wax involved in this pack. Ooh. But we're going to open this. We are going to total up the baseball reference war of the year of the cards, in this case 2000, and we will add those together. A couple of extra things that can get you some plus or minus points. Anything on the player's face, meaning glasses, mustache, eye black, flip down sunglasses, Brady Anderson sideburns if they're of note. Uh, That's an all a plus 10, a tenth of a point actually there. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks, that's a plus tenth of a point. If they're wearing the two and one, so that's a minus tenth of a point. Sweatbands with their caricature jersey number, that's a tenth of a point. Any of their final three seasons played in Seattle, that's a tenth of a point for each. Two flaps or no flaps on the batting helmet, that's a tenth of a point. Batting without batting gloves, that's a tenth of a point. Any awards like Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, or Gold Glove, that's a half a point for each of those. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether we're talking about them or not, that's a whole extra point. If Ricky Henderson appears on any card, I automatically get five points regardless of whose card it is. Mark, this is the year 2000, so I don't think there's going to be any Nolan Ryan. Unless there's a throwback card. There could be a throwback card. Maybe there's a throwback. There you go. Yeah, well, you'll get the five points. That If that happens, and we're also going to both pick a team. And uh, if my team shows up anywhere, I get a half a point. If your team does, you get a half a point. So who are you going to go with today? I'm going to go with the dreaded New York Mets. Oh, dreaded? Yes. I thought you were going to say Yankees because we just did. We just talked about Hideki Matsui. You you thought. Yeah. But I threw a curveball. Because I'm going to choose the Yankees because we just talked about, what was it, the Smut Baron? (laughs) smug baron himself (laughs) all right so we got the mets and the yankees like i said before you are currently leading 15 to 13 and uh let's get into it mark i got two uh, cards here 2000 tops there's only eight in each of these so this should go pretty quick i've got one in my left one in my right which one would you like i'm gonna go right right all right you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go first i'm trying to break the curse changing it up yeah i'm not sure if i've ever gone first but uh, I, it's, I've lost like 18 in a row now, I feel like. So let's go ahead and open this up. Uh, I do see a checklist in the back. Eight you, cards. You get points for each player on if, the checklist. If, That's right. If you want to look them up, you can go right ahead. <laughs> this is going to be a six-hour episode. <clears throat> All right. So your first uh, your first card is a... There's three players on this card. It's a prospects card. I think the way we handle this is uh, I will let you choose which of these three and I think it'll be pretty obvious which of these three you're going to choose. Uh, we've got prospects here. We've got uh, with the Expos, Matt Blank, with the White Sox, Kip Wells, and with the Blue Jays, John Sneed. Who would you like to choose there? I think you're going first, man. Oh, that's right. This is my pack, huh? Start uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Kip Wells because he's the only guy I've ever heard of. Okay, yeah. And I think he pitched for a, a decent amount of time. Uh, let's see. Kip Wells actually pitched, yeah, 12 years in the big leagues. Boy, he he played for a lot of teams. None of them were the Mariners, though, so you don't get any points uh, 
or I don't get any points for that. I, this is hard. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I can't go first, apparently. Uh, let's see. In 2000, his second year in the big leagues, Kip went six and nine for the White Sox with a 6.02 ERA. He had a 4.04 and four wins in the first year. Did he think he had to pitch to an ERA equal to his win total? I'm not <laughs> sure. Somebody, I hope somebody talked to him about that. Uh, not great numbers here. He ended up with an 84 ERA plus and a war of minus 0.2. So uh, right out the gate, kind of a standard Jeff uh, <laughs> Jeff total uh, there for, for Kipper. <laughs> Just looking at... at- his career, it, it, like he said, he pitched for everybody and he went from, let's see here. There's just too many to mention. I just wanted to point out that after the Nationals and the Reds, he went and played for the Long Island Ducks. Independent team. Yeah. That's right. And then the next year signed with the Diamondbacks. Yeah. The, the Ducks is always uh, is always one of those stacked teams. That's, I think Ricky played for the Ducks one year, too. All right. So usual start for me there. Next, I have got a pitcher with a Mets. So there's a minus point five right away for me. Before we even look at his numbers, I'm already at minus point seven. Uh, <laughs> here he is, but I might get some good good uh, points out of this. It, uh, I believe he was the closer at this time for the Mets, Armando Benitez. All right, so Armando played for 15 years in the big leagues. Wow. Uh, let's see here. He played for the Mets, the Orioles, the Giants, the Fish. The oh, He played for the Mariners, but not in those last couple of years. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. I was going, hmm, could it be? Nope. Uh, in the year 2000, he was with the Mets. Uh, he was their closer. 41 saves, 76 innings pitched, 39 hits, 106 strikeouts. Wow, great season. 172 ERA plus. And that will equal a war of 2.4. Wow. Nice. Nothing else on this card, though, is going to help me. But I will take the positive 2.4. There you go. The uh, Mariners, did you see how they picked up Mr. Benitez? Traded some guy named Jeff Nelson. For yeah. Him. Oh, I just turned to that when you said <laughs> that. Yeah, man, Jeff Nelson. Boy, he killed it with the Yankees. He oh, was man. really good in New York. Jeff Nelson, also in my uh, All-Star game, the Nick Lachey Celebrity All-Star game. Yeah. Yes. Jeff Nelson hit the winning home run. I just wanted to point that you out. You were one of the headliners of that game. Oh, yeah. Hey, I got the W. <laughs> Is there a video of this game? Because we need there's to watch little. that. Yeah, oh, there's yeah. We, some. We need to watch that. Oh, look at this. Uh, Benitez in the 96 ALCS, he gave up the infamous Jeffrey Mayer home run. Oh, that was him. In right field. Yeah, he was on the mound uh-huh. for that. I mean, it's no Nick Lachey celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, that's a it's an equal part of baseball history. <laughs> It's the same, yeah. Also uh, played with the Long Island Ducks in 2012. <laughs> wow. We, we, have a, we have a theme. Yes. All right. Uh, next card. I got a Hall of Famer. I like Uh-oh. it. Uh, I've, I've seen plenty of this Hall of Famer. It is none other than John Smoltz. I think we've talked about him a little. I believe we, we might have mentioned him every now and then. Obviously known for Atlanta. Uh, was drafted, though, by the Tigers. Local, uh, local Detroit. Well, at least... Michigan boy uh, before he was traded over. Let's see, ended up 21 years in the big leagues, 20 with Atlanta. (laughs) His final year, he started in Boston and then was traded to St. Louis at the end. But in 2000, oh boy, 2000, he didn't play. So if you remember though, that's, I I think he had Tommy John surgery and he came back as a closer for a couple of seasons. 
where, look at this, he came back, led the league with 55 saves, 45, 44, and then went back into the starting rotation and went 14 and 7, 16 and 9, and 14 and 8. That's that's so impressive. A 213 and 155 record with 154 saves for his career. Wow. So I'm not going to get any um, any points there, except for he's a Hall of Famer, so I'll at least get one whole point. That'll bump me up to 2.7. Oh, he's tra- oh, that's right. He was traded for Doyle Alexander in 1987, which ended up being, I, I mean, in the long run, it wasn't a great trade. But Doyle Alexander, I think, helped the Tigers make the playoffs that year. I think they lost to the, the Twins, wasn't it? The Twins were in the West at that point. Pretty sure that that, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the Twins and the Tigers were in the ALCS that year. Does that sound right? It does, yeah, but I'm... I- don't want to put a stamp of I don't either because I don't want to get nicked but we're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna say enjoy it people all right oh look at this I got back-to-back uh hall of famers this is a a special insert card it's got glowing 3d kind of stuff it's called perennial all-stars and it is none other than Calvin Ripken Jr. Ooh, yes he's a perennial all-star uh and a perennial hall of famer because he uh you know he's still in the hall of fame every year uh, let's see, uh, Cal, 21 years in the big leagues. I'm not going to tell you who he played for, uh, because if you don't know, you I still want you to listen to the podcast, but <laughs> you do, should probably know. Do, do a little reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see, 1990, good news. He was an all-star, uh, also received some MVP votes. He was the American League MVP in 1991. But, uh, of course, he played in every game this year. That's a shocker. Hit 250, 341 on base, 21 home runs, 84 RBI. And a 114 OPS plus, and that is good for a seven and a half WAR plus. He is a Hall of Famer. Plus, wow. he was an All Star. So let's see, just right there, that is nine. Looking at this card, he does have eye black on, so that'll be a nine point one. Now that's a good card. Yeah, I will. I will take that all day, every day. All right, I don't think we need to go through. Uh, too much. I don't think we need to go through the personal stuff. We've done it before. We'll move on to the next card, which is a season highlight card, and it is none other than Fernando Tatis Sr. The other Fernando Tatis. Yes, or as he was just known at this point, Fernando Tatis. Yes. He of the two Grand Slams in one inning. That's right. That's what I think of when I hear that name. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. We gotta we gotta sort through a lot of junior stuff to get to, to seniors page. Uh, Eleven years in the big leagues. Three with the Mets. Three with the Expos. Three with the Cardinals. And then two with the Rangers and one with Baltimore. In two thousand, he was with the Cardinals. He hit two fifty three three seventy nine on base, eighteen home runs, sixty four RBI, and a one seventeen OPS plus, and that equals a one point six WAR. Uh, he does have a mustache, and he does have eye black as well. So that'll be a 1.8. That'll take me up to 13.6. I think he's got a son. I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, some sort of uh, younger prodigy kind of guy. swimmer or something like that? I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, Olympic champion. <laughs> All right. So uh, next card here. Boy, this guy played forever. Here he is with the Rangers. It is pitcher Mike Morgan. Oh man, I could have uh, I could have built a house out of the Mike Morgan Commons I had. <laughs> Boy, looking at Baseball Reference, just look at the the jersey numbers that he's worn. <laughs> His first jersey number was fifteen when he came up with Oakland in nineteen seventy eight. Wow! Yeah, if you ask me who he came up with, Oakland would not have been uh, 
not have been my answer. He was a first round draft pick, fourth overall by the A's out of Las Vegas. 22 years in the big leagues, that's a lot. Uh, it's one of those things where if you name a team, he likely played for them, including the Mariners, but not at the end of his career. In the year 2000, as a 40-year-old, uh, let's see, he went 5-5 five and five with the Diamondbacks with a 4.87 ERA and a 98 ERA+. Plus, and that will equal a war of still 0.6 from the old man. So I'll yeah, take it. Not bad. Old man. For a middle reliever? Uh, well, I think he was, was he still starting? Was he starting to? Let's see, in uh, 2000, uh, no, he appeared in 60 games. He started four. Ah. But uh, yeah, kind of seems like he was a spot starter as needed uh, at that point. One At one point, he was traded by the Yankees with Fred McGriff for Dale Murray and Todd Dodd to the, to the uh, Blue Jays. So hmm. he was, uh, he was part of that deal that got the crime dog to, uh, to Toronto. Uh, other names he's been traded for in his career, uh, Todd Zeal, Fred Stanley. All right. So I'm at 14.2. I got two cards left next. Uh, I, I want to say I just mentioned Darren Fletcher earlier, but here's Darren Fletcher with the Blue Jays. Let's see, Darren Fletcher, 14 years in the big leagues, six with Montreal, five with Toronto, oh, 11 years up north, then two with uh, the Dodgers and two with the Phillies. In the year 2000 with the Blue Jays, he hit 320 with a 355 on base, 20 home runs, 58 RBI, one stolen base with no cut stealing, not bad, and a 115 OPS plus, and that will equal a 2.3. Again, not bad. Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to help me out, but I'll take a 2.3 from Darren Fletcher pretty much any day of the week, I think. Absolutely. All right, so I'm at 16.5. My final card, uh, this might be uh, this might be good. Uh, he was a closer most of his career. Here with the Tigers, Todd Jones. Let's see, nicknamed Roller Coaster. That's not a nickname you want if you're a, a reliever. No. Yeah, let's see. Uh, 16 years. So I get it. Oh, yeah, I get get it too. (laughs) And if he's on your team, you really don't want him closing games with that nickname, I would think, most of the time. But uh, 16 years in the big leagues, half of it was with Detroit. In 2000, oh, good news for me, his lone all-star year. He also came in fifth in the Cy Young voting. So this all bodes well. Ended up two and four, 3.52 ERA, 42 saves to lead the league, 64 innings pitched, 67 strikeouts, 67 hits allowed, and a 134 ERA plus. And that will all equal a war of 1.2 plus the all-star and a mustache will be a 1.8. Now, I don't know. In the year 2000, I remember I was dyeing my hair because major leaguers were doing it. He he looks Kind of like Jerry Royce here. He's got a beard and a mustache, but it's all white. And in 2000, he was only 32. Wow. It was, it's a fashion choice. It's the same one that I made, though. Because like I said, I, if a baseball player did it, I did it at that point as well. Not a lot of excitement. Well, he lost his closer role with the Tigers to Fernando Rodney. So they went from roller coaster to... <laughs> <laughs> Another roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it's just a different roller coaster. Yikes, yeah. All right, so uh, I ended up with 18.3. Not bad. But yeah, I don't think it's bad, but I know how this game goes, so <laughs> let's go ahead and open up your pack. And if you're new, I suck at this game, so that's just what I'm talking about. It, folks, it's all skill. I'm telling you right now. All right. 
let's see here. So first, oh, <laughs> could you just for one week not pull one of my favorite players? I can't. I can't. Uh, starting, I'll, I'll put this in the pile for when I go to fantasy camp. Uh, it's my favorite catcher of all time. <laughs> it's Terry <Hello>. Steinbach. <laughs> How? Let's see here. Just I'm, I'm just going to look through this pile here. Now, I've already got this is a duplicate. I already have this exact same card uh, pulled from your pack. But let's see. There's one, two, three. I got three Terry Steinbach cards now I'm taking with me to get signed. Very nice. <laughs> All thanks to you. <laughs> when I just type in T-E in my search history, Terry Steinbach automatically populates. Uh, let's see. Terry, 14 years in the big leagues, uh, as we've talked about before. 11 with Oakland, 3 with Minnesota. Unfortunately for you, Steiny retired after the 99 season. So you're not going to get any points there, and there's nothing on this card. Oh, no, check that. He has got his jersey number on his sweatband. So a little, I got a little bit there. You got a point one out of that. Yes. So, <laughs> Terry, you know, is always there for us. Uh, always uh, willing to give us some points. But uh, we've covered Terry plenty of times. So uh, we move on to your next one. Uh, here we go. Uh, World Series winning manager. And uh, he has definitely got eye black and a mustache here for the Rays. It is Dave Martinez. Ah, yes. Not sure I'm going to get a lot of points, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure this is going to help you out point wise either. But <laughs> Dave's uh, an interesting guy. Yeah, let's see. Dave Martinez, a.k.a. Tippy. Uh, played for 16 years in the big leagues, four with the Cubs, four with the Expos, and then a whole bunch of other teams, none of which were the uh, the Mariners at the end. In the year 2000, he played for four different teams. <laughs> he played wow. for Tampa, the Cubs, the Rangers, and the Blue Jays, all in a single season. Overall that year, he hit 274 with five home runs, 47 RBI, eight stolen bases, and an 82 OPS+. Plus. This is going to take a minute to calculate here. His war (laughs) was actually ended up being a positive 0.5. Wow. But uh, maybe his nickname should be roller coaster as well. For Tampa, for Tampa, he was a minus 0.5 for the Cubs. He was a minus 0.3 for the Rangers. He was a positive 0.5 and for the Blue Jays, he was a positive 0.8. Wow. Okay. So uh, roller coaster is right. Yeah, that will get you overall a point seven because of the mustache and the eye black. Yeah, it, it worked out OK for you. But that is a, <laughs> that is a lot. Let's see. He also pitched a little bit. He pitched in two games uh, in his career. Overall, an inning and a third, two hits, two runs, two earned runs, four walks, no strikeouts. Well, I mean, you know, he he gave it a, a good try. <laughs> He did a good job mopping up. Super try, friend. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned won the uh, 2019 World Series with the Washington Nationals. I remember I was there for those. Uh, Some other things were going on in the stands during that game, but I definitely remember being in Washington. Uh, As a a manager, his pitching staff issued more intentional walks than any other major league club. That's a weapon. And he won a World Series with it, so I'm not going to argue. Yeah. All right, so your next card is uh, with the Angels here. It is outfielder Garrett Anderson. Garrett Anderson, solid ball player. Yeah, he he was. He was he was consistent for the most part. 17 years he played, 15 with the Angels, one with the Dodgers, one with Atlanta. 
Uh, let's see. He won. Uh, he was a three-time All-Star, won the World Series in 2002. He was a home run derby champ. Wow, I don't remember that. And an All-Star MVP. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Uh, in 2000 with the Angels, let's see, he hit 286, 307 on base. That's not good. Uh, 35 home runs, 117 RBI, though. Seven stolen bases. He walked 24 times. He struck out 87. Uh, one, uh, 103 OPS plus, and all of that will equal a war of 1.9. Uh, let's see, he does have two and ones, but he also has eye black, so that'll be a wipe. So it'll just be a 1.9 for you. I remember uh, in uh, a rotisserie league I was in, on base percentage was one of our categories, and he was so frustrating in on base percentage. He just did not look at a lot of pitches. No, he did not walk very often and was not that great in the postseason either. His first series that he ever appeared in was the ALDS against the Yankees, where he hit 389 and 421 uh, on base percentage. But after that, I mean, on base, nothing even close to 300, really, in his average yeah. ended up being 245. So did not uh, did not enjoy the postseason so much. All right, so we move from one angel to another, and uh, you've got another outfielder here, Todd Green. I, for some reason, I, I think Todd Green is a catcher, but it says outfielder. I thought Todd Green was a catcher, too. D- is this an error card? Is this worth money? Could be. Let's no, it's see. not worth money, but it could be an error card. <laughs> uh, he's listed on Baseball Reference as catcher, outfielder, first baseman. Uh, let's see. He definitely came up as a catcher. He caught every year in the big leagues. Um, he played outfield just a couple. So I'm not sure I would list him as an outfielder, but they did. Let's see. In 2000, he actually played for Toronto. Uh, only appeared in 34 games, hit 232, 278 on base, five home runs, 10 RBI, and a 75 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of minus 0.4. Ouch. And there is nothing on this card that's going to help you out. Double ouch. You know, yeah. I, I just question for you. Um, he was a scout for the Mariners after his career. Do I get any points for that? Um, was it, uh, well, looking at a scouting career, <laughs> how long did he scout? Like what, were any of his last three scouting years or is he still scouting? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Okay. never mind. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to help you out there. All right. You're down. You've got four cards left. Uh, you're at 2.3. I am, <laughs> I'm still wow. not feeling comfortable. Uh, let's see. You've got a divisional playoff highlight where you have got Todd Pratt. Oh boy. Uh, let's see. In All game right. four of the NLDS, uh, he hit one over. The, he hit a home run over the 410 sign in in uh, Shea Stadium at center field. And sent the Mets to the NLCS, the bottom of the tenth inning home run. So it was a walk off over the uh, over the D backs. So well, there's uh, something to remember. Todd Pratt. Do you think when uh, if he ever fell down, they would uh, call him a Pratt fall? Oh. Uh, that was stre- joke. That was kind of stretching, right? Do, do 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 many people know what Pratt Falls are? I don't know. Not anymore, I don't think. Nicknames Tank or Tankhead. Tank. He's and you know his headshot here is taking up the full frame of the thing, so I understand. Uh, Fourteen years in the big leagues, eight with the Phillies, five with the Mets, and a couple of other teams in two thousand with the Mets. Eighty games, two seventy five average, three seventy eight on base. Eight home runs, 25 RBI, a 115 OPS plus, and that is good for a 1.3. Okay. Yeah, you take that. Nothing else on the card is going to help you out, but a 1.3 from Todd Pratt. Got to feel like you 
Pratt played for a few different teams uh, and in between signing a minor league contract with the Mariners and one with the Mets, he also played uh, delivery delivery man for Domino's pizza. Huh. So that was his, that was his uh, 96 season. Gotta, gotta keep working. Uh, also, I see here Mitchell report, which next year that'll be your next season. That'll be a, that'll be a, a minus for you. <laughs> And, of course, we've mentioned that he is uh, on the uh, box of Ultima Online Renaissance, uh, which I believe he's only on the box in uh, in Asia. And has uh, appeared in the movie Taking Out the Trash as Scott. <laughs> he played Scott. Oh, man. That's <laughs> now, one of the great I, characters. I know we've had this before, but I don't think we've ever even looked at this movie. I've never heard of it. Uh, taking out the trash, 2009, the trashiest family in the South's largest trailer park gets rich when Bud Widger hits the big balls lottery for $300 million. But soon after, the family finds they can't shake their trashy trailer park roots. Sounds like a hoot. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Is he even mentioned in the, he's not part of the main cast. He uh, might have an IMDb. Todd, yep, here it is. Todd Pratt taking out the trash. Uh, also, just some baseball stuff that he's listed as. Huh. All right, well, we'll have to look into that. I might need to watch that. Hmm. I love trailer park movies, so. Of course. <laughs> All right, you're at 3.6. Next, we, okay, next we've got another guy that I know is a catcher, and he's listed as a third baseman. And I, I love this name, Eddie Tobinsey. Oh, I remember him. It's like almost Eddie Tennessee, but not quite. Ed Tobinsey, definitely a catcher. I mean, he, he did play at first in outfield, but very sparingly. And for a 2000 card where he had done nothing but catch entirely the two seasons prior, it's pretty odd that they would list him as an outfielder. So uh, let's see, 11 years in the big league, seven with the Reds and three with the Astros. I definitely remember those two clubs. And then two with Cleveland in 2000 with the Reds, uh, 81 games, 267 average, 324 on base, six home runs, 24 RBI, 76 OPS plus, and that is good for a minus 1.2 war. <laughs> I picked the wrong patch for well, one side. I, okay, now he does have eye black and a and a mustache here, so it'd only be a minus one. I don't think you picked the wrong pack. I think it really just has to do with who goes second. I think <laughs> I, I think that's what happens. <laughs> I remember collecting Tobinsey's cards uh, because he got traded to the Astros. I, I yeah, So he came up with Cleveland, then he went to Houston. I definitely remember him there, and I definitely remember him with Cincinnati. Uh, I don't remember him being uh, that big of a prospect, but he was apparently traded to the Astros for Kenny Lofton and Dave Rode. Wow. Kenny, wow. So I, uh, obviously Houston thought pretty highly of him. Man, I guess. You're traded for uh, for Kenny Lofton. Oops. <laughs> it's like a Jeff Bagwell-like trade. Ouch. All right, so you have got two cards left. You're at 2.6. I have got an 18.3. I'm starting to feel a little bit comfortable, but you do have a Hall of Famer here. Okay. And he's uh, he's a catcher, and he's listed as a catcher. So congratulations, Tops. Here with the uh, Rangers, it's Pudge. Ah, uh, Okay. What were we going to start calling catchers instead of Pudge? We, we <laughs> come up with another nickname. We did. I don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't listen to the show, so, you know. <laughs> oh, that makes, uh, makes two of us. Uh, let's see. 21 years in the bigs for Pudge. 13 with the Rangers, 5 with the Tigers. 
let's see, the Nationals, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Marlins. I, I think I can picture him in all of those uniforms. Uh, definitely remember most with the Rangers, obviously. Sure. 2000, good news for you. He was an all-star, and uh, he won a gold glove that year as well. No shocker. This is coming off his MVP season of 1999. I think he was hurt a little bit. 91 games, hit 347, a 375 on base, 27 home runs, 83 RBI, and a 156 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of 4.8. He's a Hall of Famer, so that'll be 5.8. Uh, he does have eye black on, so that'll be 5.9. The All-Star and the Gold Glove, that'll bring it up to 6.9. Well, you know what? Salvaging a little bit here at the end. Yeah, so that'll bring you up to 9.5 with one card left. So you're essentially halfway to my hopefully winning total with one card left. Now, you've got a draft picks card here. There are two players on it. So I'm going to let you choose between these two. They both played for a good amount of time in the big leagues. I think one played a little bit more than the other. One of them is or was a bench coach with the A's recently. <clears throat> you have got, first of all, with the Phillies, Brett Myers, leave you as a pitcher. And then with the Mariners, Ryan Christensen. Well, I have to go with the Mariner. All right. So uh, Ryan Christensen played for six years in the big leagues. In the year 2000 with the A's, Let's see, he hit 248, a 349 on base, four home runs, 18 RBI, and a 90 OPS plus. And that's going to get you a war of 0.3. Not quite going to catch you this week, Jeff. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident at this point. Uh, let's just for fun look up Brett Myers. I don't think he's he would have gotten you the win either. But no. <laughs> uh, let's see. He played for 12 years and uh, did not make the big leagues until 2002. Ah. So you did go with the right player. Uh, it just wasn't going to get you Yeah. what you needed. Oh, so he's now with the Padres. So he went along with uh, with Bob to uh, to San Diego. All right. Well, I will take it. Uh, that is the first win in a long time that uh, I crawl back to within one. The scoreboard is now 15 to 14. Uh, again, we're playing to 20. It's very exciting. It's, it's a, yeah, it's very exciting. It's a tight contest. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever won 14 in a single season. So yeah, it is exciting for me. Uh, all right. So that's going to wrap up our first uh, version of Wax Packs Heroes in the new year. Congratulations to me. Pat on the back there. Uh, that's also going to do it for the first episode of the new year. We uh, appreciate everybody listening. Again, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on all the social medias. We are at Two Strike Noise. We're on the Bird app. We're on Mastodon. We're on, uh, what are all the other ones? Uh, Instagram. You can, uh, Facebook is where we've been hanging out the most since uh, Twitter's kind of gone downhill. Having a, actually a good time over there. Uh, which is kind of surprising to me. Uh, but yeah, you can find us there. Uh, all of this is in the show notes. We also have that phone number, area code 607-216-8811. Put us in your circle of friends so that it's it's uh, not a long distance call. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, is that? I don't think that's still a thing, but you should still put us in your circle. Uh, also, we have an email address. Mark, do you want to tell them about that? Sure. It's uh, two strike noise. You got to spell it out. So hopefully you're good at spelling. Spell two strike noise at gmail.com. Just look in the show notes. You can copy and paste if you're not a good speller. There you go. Plenty of ways to get a hold of us. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Now, uh, we've made no secret about it. I'm going to be at Ace Fantasy Camp here in the next week. 
um, and then taking a little bit of time off. We're, we're hoping to get another episode while I'm gone out, but we're just not going to promise anything. Uh, we know we've been a little... I don't want to say inconsistent because we went three years without missing a week. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll try our best to uh, have a show every week, but we might miss a week coming up here. So uh, we appreciate everyone's patience and we really do appreciate everybody continuing to uh, to join in and uh, spread the word. We really do appreciate it. Hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday season. And we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.